As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to a very special episode of the Steelers Outpost Podcast. We are coming to you once again from the Sawdust Strewn Outpost Podcast studio. Unfortunately, it occurs subsequent to the Steelers dropping their game to the Jets 16-10. to Actually, an improvement on last week when we gave up 17 points. Anyway, nice. it is December 22nd, 2019. This is Tom at the Outpost. Joining me in the Washington Outpost is Nick. And our cousin slash nephew Pat feels appropriate to be in the uh, the back room after that game. <laughs> Feel shame. Shouldn't seek daylight or interactions with normal human beings. After we, that. we don't deserve sunlight. We, all we deserve is sawdust. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, was sixteen to ten the score last week, or was it seventeen to ten as well? Well, it's Some the Steelers. Improvement. Five games in a row where the Steelers have held their opponents to under twenty-one. And I think. It's like, I guess, six games in a row, and like five of those games, or three of them, they've held teams to under 17 points, and uh, they're 3-3 three and three in that time period. And it turns out, after this, they've been experimenting all year, trying to play football without offense. It, it does not work, we found today. And I guess we can talk about what happened in the game itself. Maybe we can start with some of that stuff, and then we can get more into the wide-reaching implications as the Steelers' season is, is winding to a close here. Well, let me, uh, just one piece of relevant information. You long-term listeners know Pat. He is a long-suffering Jets fan, and ironically, even he was disappointed today. It was a horrible game. Hoping for the higher draft pick. Um, at this point, the season's lost, and yet we couldn't even, we're, we lose at losing. It happens. Yeah. So let's say, uh, there's not a whole lot to analyze here. Let's be honest. The Steelers do not have a quarterback, Mm-mm. which was proven twice, actually, Mason got a thumbs up. He was a spark in the game, but uh, it turned out to be long, not long-lived. We talked about that. We always talk about the backup quarterback thing where, like, when you yeah. come off the bench, you Fitzpatrick it. It's actually Fitzpatrick's career. If he comes off the bench, he's slinging tutties. If you name him the starter, he's throwing into to the other team. And that seems to be what happens with the Steelers' quarterbacks. Mason went in there and looked much more assertive than he had in any of the past weeks. And it reminded me of when Duck went in against the Ravens earlier this year, and he immediately started throwing the ball downfield. It was very encouraging. But the second you get them under center to start the game, their butts tighten, and they either don't throw it to anybody on the Steelers or throw it directly to the other team. So, yeah, I guess Mason was a little bit of a step up. Um, the offense was horrific. My, um, I don't know how I want to organize this. I want to stay relatively organized because – there's only so much you can say about the offense. It's the same game we've been watching for eight, nine weeks. You know, when your quarterback doesn't have enough of an arm, many throws are just not even available to you. You can't even attempt certain plays, let alone the fact that Duck 
and Rudolph can't read the field quickly enough to make those plays. We know that the receivers are hurting with talent. Obviously, Juju played, but he's playing hurt. Um, and then the coordinator doesn't do them any favors. So I keep having this discussion. Tell me what you think about this, Pat. On on Twitter, people want to figure out what's the issue. Is it the quarterback or is it the coordinator? And I'm finding it difficult to express to people that it's both. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, clearly the quarterback at this point doesn't have the skills to succeed in the offense, but the offensive coordinator doesn't have the ability to uh, – Look, you're in the NFL for a reason. You're deemed success, skillful enough to be a backup, to, to play if need be. Uh, but uh, coordinators have to adapt to the skills of their team, and that's what makes uh, teams like the Patriots so great because mm-hmm. they will adapt their offense to who's at quarterback. <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, that's what I was complaining earlier. Adam Gase is horrible at this, and what do you end up getting? An offense that can't move the ball. Yeah, because I understand there's, there's only so high of a ceiling with the players he's working with. I get that. But I do believe it's higher than where it is now. And the reason for that is it's just it's the predictability. So if it's second and ten, I told you before we started the game, we're running the ball. And I think they did it every single time this game. And so it's like I get what you're doing. Second and ten, you're trying to be conservative. You're trying to get into third and manageable instead of third and long. Even though, ironically, usually we run on second and ten, gain no yards, and then they try to, an aggressive throw anyways and we throw in an interception. But if you want to be conservative on second and ten, fine. But throw a rollout screen. Throw a misdirection. Throw a receiver screen. Do something else besides the same thing every time you get in the same situation. I never understand. We were talking about this earlier. If you have an inept offense and you have a defense and Greg Williams is going to blitz you, come after the quarterback, trying to confuse them on long uh, yardage situations, third and long, you got to go for like wide receiver screens, running back screens. Mm-hmm. You try and sit back and you know play traditional offense with a quarterback who's not armed with the skills to throw a to sit there in the pocket and throw a ball down the field or throw a great out route. Like you're going to fail. Yeah, uh, and it's brutal to watch. And why are you and I in the room of dust? It's seemingly more intelligent than some of these offensive coordinators who spend all day for weeks crafting up game plans. I think they get scared. I think they get conservative is is part of what it was. Even like when the Steelers got the ball back with three minutes or whatever it was and the first play they they call as a run play, it's like, I get it. You're scared to lose with Duck, but the Steelers can't win a game without a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown right now. You have to at least try because then you're putting Duck in an impossible situation by putting him in second and third and long. So it's it's the mix of the predictability with the over-conservatism when it's like, dude, I, I get it. I guess it's working. You lost by a touchdown two weeks in a row, but maybe you could have won these games if you had opened it up a little bit. And then for the people saying that the quarterback's the problem, Yes, you're right too. I mean, even the interception ducked through in the end zone on the corner out to James or to Samuels. It's like maybe if you throw, recognize that a little bit earlier, throw the ball earlier, throw with a little bit more arc. It looks like he had him and he was open, and you just didn't make a good throw. So, yeah, it's just a problem everywhere. And the last thing I would say for the offense, I bet you, I think this was Duck's worst game by far, for sure. Uh, and I would probably attribute that. I mean, he was pretty bad against Buffalo, too. They're very confusing. Greg Williams, I think, is the kind of coordinator. He's famous for just basically blitzing everybody on every play, and he's crazy. So he can do really well against young quarterbacks, whereas like a Tom Brady or you know teams with good offensive systems can carve you up when you blitz that much. Versus a young quarterback, it looks like Duck was scared of his own shadow by the end of the first quarter. So that's kind of unique for him because his um, the big positive on him was he was – too dumb to be scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and at the beginning, he showed that. I'll tell you a couple other things that stood out to me. 
the uh, the injuries again. I mean, we've yeah. we've ticked down on the running backs simply because Connor can't stay on the field, and we're relying on Snell and Samuels. Fortunately, Kareth White turns out to Woo. be just a a diamond in the rough that we d- we discovered late, but. It w- not only uh, a problem running the ball, but a problem picking up these blitzes, which were happening, I don't, I don't know what percentage mm-hmm. of the time, but a significant part of the time. Yeah, it's funny, too. I, I was <laughs> The game was so mind-numbingly terrible. I, I turned to Uncle Tom at one point in the fourth quarter, and I was like, how did we get 13 points? Like, where do we get that field goal? And he says, the really long, uh, you know, that one long pass to Wesco. That one play changed the entire dynamic of the second half. Mm-hmm. And you have two offenses that are inept and can't move the ball. Uh, that one play, which results in the field goal, changes sort of now there's a little pressure on Pittsburgh to try and uh, move the ball at their offense as opposed to defensively trying to force a turnover, where the Jets on offense say, we've got a lead, we don't think the Steelers can move the mm-hmm. ball on offense, we're going to play conservatively on, on offense ourselves, not give the Steelers an opportunity to turn over, and uh, you, you wind up with a uh, 16-10 game, and uh, yeah, Duck Hodges, Greg Williams is going to blitz, and Try and force him to do what Rudolph did at the end of the first half, which is make a throw one on one. And that's why he throws the ball. You force him to throw the ball to the other team, yeah. and that's why we're in the sawdust room now. I guess. Yeah. The last thing I'll say, I just want to reiterate that I don't have a problem with Feetner being conservative because your defense is so good that you yeah. are holding teams under twenty-one points. But please explore the idea of nuance, everybody. Right. You can be conservative, but a little bit more aggressive than what they are now. And that's all I'm saying. And we've been able to point those, those instances out all season with specific examples. Whether he's in the red zone and he calls a quarterback sweep with no lead blocker to Duck Hodges three weeks ago. Or last week, he's in the red zone and he puts James Conner in for his first ever Wildcat snap in his career. <laughs> but it's okay because the running back is Deontay Johnson, who's never played running back in his career. Like, these brain farts. The run play on the first uh, on the, on the game-winning the attempted game-winning drive. And then, of course, yeah, Duck, he's got, can't run, he's short, and he doesn't throw the ball hard. And well, what if you're talking about going conservative, what does that mean? I'll go back to something Pat said about throwing the ball out of the, throwing it into the flat to the running back. I mean, that's where you think yeah. he would be able to, to do that. I mean, going down, I agree. going down field is not his forte. That's sort of like the broken clock is right twice a day. He'll hit one once in a while. But the bread and butter should be shorter passes. Especially against a team that's going to be blitzing you, right? So yeah. it's like the New England game plan. I remember when the Jets were playing New England and Darnold seeing ghosts. And uh, I'm screaming at the TV, like, throw a screen. Because wh- when they're bringing everyone, the quarterback who's young and not uh, a lot of experience in situations like that is going to panic. Give him an easy route and now put it in the, uh, the hands of your receivers to make one guy miss because it's going to be man coverage. Mm-hmm. And see if you can get some extra yardage out of it. That's way better than a sack, turnover. Um, which, yeah, ended up happening. Yeah, I think we're, it sounds like, I feel like the conversation right now, we're focusing so much on Randy Feetner and the offensive coordinator, and we'll move on here in a second. But I think the reason why we're focusing on that is because, like, Duck and Rudolph, they are what they are. Of course they have to do better, but at the end of the day, they don't have a lot of talent. Feetner and Tomlin have control over the types of plays they call and the, the amount of one-read throws you can give someone, which they don't give any. I, have you seen Duck on a rollout the entire year? I remember one, on the, or it was Rudolph for him on that goofy uh, fourth-down conversion where they rolled out and threw it to Edmonds that one time. But, like, there's no rollouts? Nothing like that? These, you watch the Niners and the Rams play, it's, co- it's constantly like that. So that's all we're saying is those coordinators have more control over what they do rather than Duck, who's like, 
Throw the ball harder. I can't. Okay. So one last, there is a positive on offense, and it's the receiving core again. Deontay Johnson, eight receptions for 80 yards. James Washington, five of eight targets for 41 yards. Uh, and uh, I guess Samuels had 32 yards. But, I mean, this is sort of the emergence of Deontay Johnson and yeah. something to look forward to. And we had talked earlier about whether wide receiver, whether you'd pick up a wide receiver in the draft. I think we agreed, yeah, if there's a guy there after we filled other more important needs to do it. But right now, Johnson, Washington, Juju, and, uh, well, Kane. Yeah, I mean, those Kane. are mainly the, the top three. But that three, that's Pretty legit. Yeah. And any team can go for three starters. And Deontay Johnson, incredible open field runner, that would be cool to throw a screen to him, right? It's not like you don't have anybody who can't do it. Uh, let's touch on Juju real quick because there's some weird thing with the fan base. I don't know. It, it, you just got too spoiled with Antonio Brown. But some weird thing where they expect Juju to be Antonio Brown and, and people are mad at him because he plays video games and has a life, even though when he's on the field, all he does is produce. He had a play at the end of the year, or sorry, at the end of this game, where it would have been a really hard catch, but on that fourth down, it did seem like he could have come down with that last play. And I know that it would have been a hard catch, but I've seen him make harder catches than that all the time. And so, yeah... That is one of those where I'd like to see, like, hey, you're supposed to be the number one receiver. And I do think he's a number one receiver. People in Pittsburgh are just spoiled, and our definition of number one receiver is the greatest run as a number one receiver in the history of football. You know, and anything other than that is a two to Steelers fans sometimes. But, yeah, I would have liked to see Juju catch that ball, but I just think right now he's playing injured. They even said he was a game-time decision. I'm not giving him all the excuses in the world. I'm just saying he's on a little downslope. He can, he can recover from this. Um, well, it's a fact. He's missed four, four games. Four or five, yeah. Yeah, so. So, I mean, I, I, but people, if you want to blame that on him, like you're, that's, that's the play we're going to pin the whole game on? Come on, that's ridiculous. They scored 10 points on offense. So uh, moving back to the injury bug, I mean, Marquise Pouncey goes down. Yeah. Who was not having a great game. He's not having a great season. Mm-mm. I'm not sure about that Pro Bowl selection, but, I mean, the ball is not, his snaps are not sharp. Uh, Finney didn't have the greatest game either. No. Came in cold, and I'm sure it was 24 degrees up there, but, you know, don't need to make excuses for those guys. Yeah. But that was definitely a problem. It was, and he got elected to the Pro Bowl for kicking Miles Garrett in the head, and so you deserve a Pro Bowl <laughs> nod for me in that case. But, yeah, I think he has the uh, seven or eight bad snaps this year, which is, the I think, the most in the NFL, which is kind of shocking because he'd never had that problem before. I would love to see, because you and I talked about this earlier, the uh, – the lifespan of an NFL center, because you know the Jets had Nick Mangold, who's one of the was an All Pro for a few years, Pro Bowler throughout most of his whole career, and he lasted ten years, and yeah. he was done. You know, it's weird to think of anyone outside of a running back retiring in their really early thirties, but mm-hmm. there is an example of one. And I don't know if this is just a bad year for Pouncey or a sign of maybe things to come, but. Um, yeah, curious. I'm trying to rack my brain for other centers and how long they've lasted. Yeah, I, that's a good point. I haven't. We need to look at Olin Krutz or whoever those Olin old guys. Krutz. He was. I don't know how to say his last name, but he was the Bears guy. He was the old. Oh, when yeah. you play Madden growing up, it's like, well, there's the best center. So Kevin Wall. Well, that's a great one. Jet yeah. Titan. That's right. Titan. Um, Jeff Harding's Steelers Super Bowl winning center right before Marquise Pouncey. Either well. Plenty of Steelers, legendary centers, right? Um, well, let's flip the other side of the ball yeah, for a second because you. you guys have been talking about the um, sort of inferior mm-hmm. offensive line for the Jets. Yes. Yet for the second week in a row, I think we only had one sack last week, mm-hmm. two sacks today. It didn't make it, doesn't really sort of 
line up with uh, the fact we thought we were they should be licking their chops and mm-hmm. on Sam Darnold all day. I was yeah, and I like I I was saying earlier that I was kind of surprised that I think our offensive line has gotten better as the season's progressed. We're still a bottom half, maybe a, like we're still probably one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. But uh, I was surprised. I thought the Steelers would have a lot more, um, would get a lot more pressure on Darnold. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to see sort of the average. We talked about this. You thought he was getting the ball out early. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he did. I'd be curious to see the average um, uh, time it took from snap to to pass because it it didn't seem. I remember we were talking on the week. I, I said I thought that they were going to destroy Darnold. Yeah. This game, so given uh, how. Poor the Jets' offensive line is how great the Steelers' defensive front is. But yeah, on the first drive, it was very apparent. I mean, Adam Gase for the Jets has been doing a really good job this year. Unscripted drives, so the first drives have been really good. Definitely. And like you said, they kind of peter out after that. Part of it, you wonder. I mean, for Steelers fans, we play with Ben forever. People used to complain about winning Super Bowls with him extending plays. But sometimes, you know, Darnold might be extending a play that has a quicker read, or who knows. I do think that the Jets. Yeah, it's like they don't really have anything to scare the Steelers downfield. I think Crowder is a really good player, but they were content to let Crowder get the ball underneath. Robbie Anderson, it's like you're hot. Just, yeah, you're but, not gonna scare Minka Fitzpatrick and the Steelers with Robbie Anderson. He had a that was a phenomenal catch and throw in the end zone. But besides that, it's like, yeah, I I honestly think the Steelers defense did great. I mean, they didn't have the sacks we thought, but they did a lot of what. Buffalo did in terms of making – I'd have to rewatch it to see what kind of splits they were making to pre and walk it to have to get away from the quarterback, a, a longer path to the quarterback and everything like that. But overall, it's like they scored 16 points. Bell was under three yards of carry. And we can talk about him after as well, by the way. <laughs> but um, – and they scored 16 points against an offense that literally can't move the ball 16 feet. So you get extra opportunities if you're the Jets, and at the end they still only scored those 16 points. So I think that the Steelers, um, what are you looking at here? So we got here. So t- Sam Donald looks like he had time to throw 2.94 seconds, one of the, the longest in the in the league this week. Well, Almost, part, yeah. how much of that is him running around Scrambling. though? I, didn't, I definitely didn't get the feeling like he was chilling in the pocket, hitting people downfield. He didn't do that at all. No, we have a weird offense. I'd be curious. You get that all twenty-two. You watch, you'll rewatch the game, and I'd be curious what you think after you watch. It's hard yeah. to tell. Um, but uh, I think that you just have remembering great... he runs out of the pocket, and that that takes a second even to step out of the yeah. pocket, even if they don't make a completion. You know, you've got a great defensive line, regardless. Even if it was, if, if what I saw uh, was truer. Uh, you know, it, overall, the Steelers have one of the best defensive lines in the entire league, even if I'm misperceiving how the game went. I'm No, but I'm with you still overall in yeah. terms of, like, wow, I thought that they would eat him alive. Like, when they played Kyler Murray, I thought this was going to be this uh, similar situation where they got, like, three sacks on the first few drives until Murray started running around. So you're definitely right about that. I just think that... Um, at the end of the day, it looked a little different than we thought it would, but the Steelers' defense still did their yeah, job. Completely. You know, but I think... Um, so what What are the odds of the Steelers winning if they would have had um, Mason for the rest of the game? Mason or Landry? I don't know. Mason. No, 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 the, no I'm just saying if Mason hadn't gotten hurt, he had to... Uh, sorry. I got it. Right. I think I was going to say the odds are low with Mason. With Landry, though... Hey, there's a competent quarterback who can move the ball down the field at least once or twice a game. And if he was in, I would have taken my bet that they would have scored a couple more touchdowns. And I would have taken that bet at my bookie. 
As a true football fan, you already know, just as sure as the seasons change, Tom Brady will kiss his son on the mouth with tongue every week, even if it's not on camera. So every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test. Why aren't you doing the same? It is time to get in the game with my bookie because the NFL season is almost over and it's depressing, but maybe the Steelers will have quarterback play next year, so maybe it's actually a silver lining of happiness. My bookie is the premier place to put all your bets on uh, uh, all your favorite pro and college football games every single weekend. They have the most op- up-to-date lines, the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet, a.k.a. how many shots of Mason Rudolph's glistening forehead are we going to get over the course of one game? Over-under, six shots. I saw a dent in there. Yeah, unfortunately, there's only so much cosmetic surgery you can do. (laughs) But either way, if you're tired of watching the game from the couch with nothing to gain, my bookie's got the answer for you. You can get your butt off that couch. You can get into the game. And the best part is, if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in a thousand, they'll give you a thousand. That's double your initial deposit that you can use on all your favorite picks. Use the promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. C H A I R. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. So otherwise, the Steelers really only got victimized one other time with um, what's the guy's name? Wesco, that thirty-two yard. Wesco, that was it. So yeah. we had our opening drive. All, he was hmm. totally open. Yeah, yeah. Oh, opening drive where they sort of had that scripted and. Right, and then outside of that, so it's been the the, the calling card for us all year. The great opening drive, right, followed by inept offense outside of maybe two games. So that mm-hmm. was you're right. Your, your defense shut us down except for that one play. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then a gorgeous play from uh, Darnold to Robbie Anderson, which is hopefully hopeful for Jets play Jets fans because that was perfect coverage and they just made a dope play. Okay, so I think right now we can kind of pivot into like bigger picture. So. One yes, last one last problem in that game. Jordan Berry looks like he might have a half-life. I wonder if he's hurt because he's been great all season. Yeah. He's been terrible for two games in a row, unless it really is just that like special teams player head case thing that's going on. Yeah. But you and I were talking yesterday about Boswell and how good he's been this year. He was good again today. He's really good. He's very good. But we were talking about him, and now the further we've gotten away from – that season and how phenomenal he's been this year, I think he's missed two kicks. One was blocked, and then one was like a 54-yard attempt right. or something. Yeah. So it's almost like he's made all his kicks. But his he got hurt at the end of last season, and I think we kind of chalked that up to like Tomlin just pulling the rope on him and giving him an easier out. Um, just be like, yeah, he's, he's hurt. That's why he sucks and why the Steelers aren't in the playoffs. But then his brother, Chris Boswell's brother, after the season ended – put out a tweet basically like ranting and raving saying like my brother's been hurt the whole year everyone's crapping all over him that's that's the laundry room we're in you guys sorry about the sound but you know bills are paid heat's gotta happen um I'm starting to buy that maybe Boswell was hurt that whole season and that alone I don't know if that's the exact reason for missing all the kicks but maybe that's what spurred some of the missing of the kicks and then the pressure gets in your head and maybe he's Got a year away from that season. He's been awesome. And I'll be the first to say, I said all offseason that he's not going to recover. Because I've never seen a guy fall off the cliff like that and recover unless he goes to another team. It, it's crazy how important kickers are. You know, you, you make fun of them. They're, they're one of the last people you pick in, like, fantasy football. Yeah. And yet yeah. you look at teams like who, the best franchise in sports. Obviously, the Steelman up there. Of course. Patriots, Ravens. Mm-hmm. Pa- so the Jets had a Pro Bowl kicker for the first time in a while. And uh, Jason Myers, and they let him go. They didn't want to pay him. 
You look at the Patriots, they don't let <laughs> kicker. Right? So Stephen Gatowski, they franchise tag him. They'll pay him the money. Yeah. The Ravens obviously gonna pay Tucker the money. Mm-hmm. Uh it's just uh, I'm I'm in my head trying to rack my brain of how how much would you pay a kicker to keep somebody who's it's the difference when you make them well, playoffs. Steelers last have year had great not. ones. They had Jeff yeah. Reed, Swisham, and Boswell. And yeah. all of those guys have had at least gotten AFC Championship game, so yeah. It, yeah, it's a big deal. I'm just wondering if that same thing happens with punters. It doesn't seem like, well, definitively, is not the same pressure to make it because there's right. a wider place for you to kick the ball. It's easier to, I'm not saying it's easier to punt the kick, but you know what I mean. Like it, kicking is make or miss. With punting, you can kind of be like, okay, I didn't punt it exactly where I wanted, but oh, that still went pretty far, so it worked. But yeah, you're right. Um, he's been horrific. That that was him last week, right, with the short punt. That gave yeah, the, the Bills the short yard, field because right. the Bills couldn't drive down the field one time against the Steelers. Boswell had a 20-yard punt on our own like goal line or on our own 20-yard line. So, yeah, he was terrible again. That sucks. Anyway, maybe we call his brother and see if he's hurt. It's a good call. It's an awesome. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm All a believer right. now. Okay, how about the big picture? Here's my thing. I think a lot of Steelers fans will be disappointed that the Steelers' playoffs hopes are dwindling right now. Uh, I don't think they're out yet, but it could be a little difficult. I am honestly, here's my spin on that. I'm not concerned because for me, everything this year has been cake. Everything has been extra since Ben went down because when Ben went down, your chances of winning the Super Bowl went out the window. No matter what you guys think, you know, unless Duck or Mason turn out to be Tony Romo, well, we found that out pretty quickly. They, they're not. Or Tom Brady, Tom I guess. Brady, yeah. Kurt Warner. Yeah, you know what, whatever. Kurt Warner. What Super Bowl did he play in? 43, right? Cardinals. Who do they play in that? Ah, we'll talk about that later. But either way, this is the, everything's extra this year. I kind of think the Steelers are affected by like public perception more than maybe not more than other teams, but like just as much. We see whenever the Steelers are hyped up, they don't do as well. When the Steelers have something against them, they overcome the odds and play better. If you get into the playoffs as the Steelers this year, you're probably going to lose against any team you play. You might be able to beat the Bills. You might, weirdly enough, be able to beat the Ravens because they should have beat them the other week in their divisional opponents. But other than that, like, what's the ceiling? One playoff win? You lose a couple picks and you you get toppled down a couple spots in the draft. And then there's almost like, I feel like there would be this anticipation going into next year that you're going to plug Ben in and everything's going to be fine. And now you're going to have these huge expectations because if you got this far in the playoffs with this team, imagine what you do with a quarterback. Whereas now, you can get knocked out of the playoffs as a direct result of your putrid, horrific offense, where the defense, we already know they're awesome. Like, nothing that happens this week and next week is taken away from how awesome they are. So you still have that, but then maybe there's a sense of urgency for some changes on offense, which I do think Ben will fix a lot of things, obviously, but I think that they have some changes they need to make as well, even though we know that they're not going to fire Feetner. I just wonder how much, like, let's say they get in the playoffs, they finish the season strong. How much historically does momentum for a losing team carry into the following year? I'm <laughs> thinking like question. the Browns last year into this year, clearly, right? They had momentum toward the end of the year, yeah. Baker, Chubb, and they're one of the biggest disappointments. If anything, mm-hmm. expectations, like you said, can uh, be a negative impact on the team as opposed yeah. to momentum being a positive thing carrying forward you know, six, seven months, whatever it's going to be to the start of the next game. Um, so I think you're right. It, it, you know, uh, It's weird to say that. Right? But I think it's true. Like, get the team hungrier. They're not winning the Super Bowl this year. But right. they sure as hell could next year if they make a few little tweaks and people stay healthy. 
And I'm just a firm believer, like, a few draft spots can be everything. Yeah, Marty Burns versus William Jackson. Yes, imagine in 2004, if this, or five, the Uh, Steelers had won one more game. Right. When did they draft Ben Well, 2003. When did they draft Ben Mm -hmm. Roethlisberger? 2003. Yeah. So, Matt, one more win. I'm thinking about my Jets right now. One more win, and you don't have Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. You don't have two Super Bowls. So I do think these small wins, even, you know, fast forward a few rounds, Tom Brady, the Patriots didn't have. Uh, they had one more win that year. They didn't have Tom Brady. So these tiny draft spots can mm-hmm. make a huge difference um, if you get the right player. So You're I'm definitely going to feel that way at the draft, too, right? Like, right now, right. you're angry because you want to win. And I did want to win. Like, I, if I had to choose between the Steelers, you know, winning the playoffs games, I was talking to you guys this week, like, I think it would be cool to keep winning. I'm a Steelers fan. You want to see them win? I think you can even spin that in a positive way. But honestly, you're going to look back later and when it's draft time and you don't have a first-round draft pick, you're going to be like, well, I wish we hadn't won those meaningless games. Yeah, <laughs> it's happened over and over again. And you look at teams that have been smart about it, like the Niners those few years, and maybe we'll get into this big tip picture, when they, their defense was loaded. Mm-hmm. You get the right coach and you got this surplus of talent from all these years of accumulating uh, uh, players in the draft, and uh, you can just take off. Whereas if you're a middling team like the I don't know. I think you're. I, I think you guys are overthinking a little bit. I look at the, the Steelers. That's what we do. That's what we do. Weeks off for Christmas break. You already know. That the, you already know what the Steelers are going to draft next year because he was playing safety. So I feel like we're playing with well, house money, right? With next year's draft, I think that whole like the Steelers aren't in league with those teams that are tanking and trying to oh, build, yeah. no, no, no. right? So. And I think that that argument, and Nick, you made this like we were. You could be one pick away from the guy who will change the franchise. I think that's just too much of a long shot. All these guys are long shots. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I think the move up for Devin Bush last year was a once in a five five to ten year occurrence. Mm-hmm. We don't do that often, so well, we've kind of once in a forty in our case. Maybe, but right, yeah, maybe, so, maybe times change. So there's not a whole lot of the Steelers. They, they sort of take what they can get. They've proven they can get late-round wide receivers, and I think you could also get a late-round running back and work it out, which is really where I think they need to f- one of the areas. But having watched what I saw today, the fact that Connor can't stay on the field, mm-hmm. Samuels and Benny Snail, Snails nice. can't really move the ball for I us. I wish I knew what sound a snail made, and I could make that. Like we it's quack kinda, for duck. It's kind of gross. You can't, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, so, that's actually that's a good me. kickoff point. So I have... We talked about this a little bit before we recorded, but what do you guys think the Steelers need to change on offense? Because unlike those 49ers teams or those tanking teams, the Steelers do not need much. They really have a Super Bowl roster with an issue at quarterback right now. They're not going to change the coordinator. And for a lot of us, that could make you feel crazy because he is not good. But weirdly enough, we know Ben wants to keep him because he's Ben's buddy, and when when he's the coordinator, Ben gets to be the coordinator. Now, they did great. Ben the coordinator. What? (laughs) They did great last year. We gave Fiener a lot of praise. They had the best red zone offense in 16 years, and they scored points all over the place. So it is almost like, well, maybe that setup isn't that bad. Now, granted, you had more talent last year because you had Brown, obviously Ben, but I'm, you know, prognosticating to what kind of talent you have with Ben. Can you still have that same type of success? Well, you had Connor and Brown the whole last year, and Brown being there made Juju better. But I don't know. I still think that the, the team has some talent with Washington. Thank God, by the way, that injury wasn't serious. Yeah. I was very scared there. 
but you still have guys. So I think that it's a bummer that they're going to keep him and probably keep Butler, but it's not a death sentence. I think what they really need to do is get a they need to figure out the backup quarterback situation. I don't think that these guys should be instantly fired, but they need to bring in competition. I think that the running back situation needs to be upgraded. Have you seen all you need to see from Connor? I mean, you can't rely on him. He's great when he plays. He never plays. And then with that second-round pick, I honestly think that it's going to be sort of a best player available at a position of need. Probably going to lose Bud, so if there's a good edge there, that would probably be the number one priority. Because with edge, it's like receiver and corner. Like, you need a guy who's, who's a beast. You can't just plug him into a system. But if there's, like, a, a, an okay edge there, but a great running back or an okay edge and a great receiver, you can take a running back or receiver, an offensive playmaker. Because they're only a couple – Steelers are only a couple pieces away. So it's just a shame that we were castrated this year at quarterback because <laughs> otherwise all the pieces were in place. Well – if you're castrated, there's not much you can do. And sometimes in real life, it feels like there's not much you can do. But I got good news. Because Blue Chew makes sure you can do all you can do. Remember the days when you guys were always ready to go? I know I sure do. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Maybe Duck should have popped a few of these bad boys before he played this game against the Jets. But either way, BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. It brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so that you know that they work. Big Duck Viagra. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. You can order online. They ship directly to your door, so you don't have to worry about any awkward doctor's visits or, like, if you had, like, Get your dad to take you there for some random reason or if he had to help you do, like, the promo for it. You don't have to worry about any of that. So the best part is they're made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. So right now we got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code ARMCHAIR to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. This is uh, Pat's first time in live studio watching <laughs> this happen, and I think he feels as bad for me as I feel for me during that commercial. I feel good for you. I'll tell you what, after uh, I think that game had such depressing effects on my uh, mental state, I'm going to need some Blue Chew in the future. <laughs> it could have some long-term lasting effects, so this is appropriate. Man, discreet. Goes right to your door. It's so a guy we been. talked about all season last year is obviously his job is secure. Keith Butler. Mm. Not even talking about. And you know what? I might have to reconsider a lot of things because there were. I mean, the the organization did what it had to do to give him the chess pieces, and the the that side of the chessboard is performed. Well, I'm going to look up a text that I sent to Pat because Pat, you were asking me a couple of weeks ago, like. How did the Steelers' defense transform overnight from the crap that they were last year? And I said, Pat, they have 11 first-round picks. on The backups are first-round picks. I sent him this from Chris Adamski, tweeted this out. Listen to this list. Steelers' 11 defenders who have played the most snaps this season, listed by draft round. First round, first round, third round. First round, first round, first round, first round, first round, first round, first round. Undrafted, Mike Hilton, the silver bullet. And then first round. 
So what did I get to like 13 there? <laughs> there is so much talent on there. I do give Keith Butler credit because it is sort of Blitzburg-y, where you see, man, the Steelers move around a lot before the snap. They do some tricky things to move around. They do a good job against star players like Odell. Like, they don't let, like, one player like that toast them. I just wish that we had been able to see them get another crack at, like, the Patriots or the Chiefs or the Saints or, or somebody like that who has a great offense at the end of the year so that I could really get a feel for it because the Niners and, well, that was early season, so I'm not going to count that as much. But the Colts really kind of had their way with them a little bit. And uh, they did, a, but they did a great job against the Rams. Now the Rams aren't the Rams from a couple of years ago, but hey, the Rams have had a resurgence since they got their butts kicked by the Steelers and the Ravens. So I hate the Rams. They suck. How do you <laughs> score three points in a Super Bowl? <laughs> Damn you! But yeah, I, I agree. I think Butler he's definitely improved. I think that a lot of it is Tomlin. They said Tomlin's been call, calling a lot of plays this year. I mean, granted, you have 19 first-round picks on the field at the same time. I think that the NFL has been allowing the Steelers to play with 19 players on defense as, you know, retribution for what we've had to suffer through for the past 10 years. But um, even with those guys, I think the Steelers can still win the Super Bowl with a few tweaks. I haven't seen Tomlin open his mouth ever in a game. He just stares with those sunglasses in the sideline. They get the message. Uh, They get the message. They get the point. (laughs) Hey, random improvement they can make – that you and I were talking about, Pat, this is would be so random, but what if you could get Josh Rosen for like a fourth-round pick? I know that's such a specific pick, but like, wouldn't that be worth it? You gotta, you don't, you don't have the quarterback on your roster now, and you need a backup for next year. I'm, I'm convinced, even if you're not looking for the future guy. I, I would 100% support that. I, you know, he's a guy with a first-round grade, uh, a five-star recruit, mm-hmm. top quarterback recruit in the country out of high school. And, <coughs> Excuse um, me. Uh, just been put in horrible situations. Yeah. Barely had an opportunity to show what he's got. I think a smart organization, which the Steelers are, uh, would step along. You know, they're in this spot where they've got, you know, hopefully two years left with the star franchise quarterback they've had Mm -hmm. for most of your uh, life. Mm -hmm. And you have this opportunity to bring in a guy and uh, show him the ropes, teach him how to succeed in your system, and if it's someone who's got a first-round talent, mm-hmm. you don't have a first-round pick this year. Next year, assuming the defense performs the way it has this year and you get Big Ben back, you have another low first-round pick. Don't have many opportunities to get a talented quarterback. Yeah. Um, I say go for it. You just hope that he doesn't have some permanent mental scars from the few times he's stepped into football games right. in his first two years. Yeah, I, I would even personally, if, if I were a Steelers fan, I'd be willing to give up a third-round pick because, as you and I have discussed, you know, uh, you can only go so long with great defenses right. in the NFL. You know, you look at the, the 49ers uh, uh, when, Seahawks, when Harbaugh was there. Mm-hmm. The only reason, this, the difference between the Seahawks and the 49ers from the stretch from 2010 to now is Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Right. Yeah. Uh, from when the 49ers went to that sort of death period, uh you know, they didn't have a quarterback to bridge. So the, the point being, you need the quarterback, right? And um, your defense is going to seemingly be able to carry you for a few years. And uh, But I think, you know, three to five years max you're looking at, and you're going to have to get a quarterback. So why not roll the dice on a guy who was, I wanted, with yeah. the third pick a and, year ago? And even if he's not the guy for the future, you know, Ben is very old, like, and you have a Super Bowl roster right now, and Rudolph and Duck aren't taking you to the 
promised land, but what if you had an average to above average quarterback? You might be able to make a run with this type of defense. So Rosen or someone like that might come in handy in the immediate future. And there's going to be veterans who are available too, and I think that that's attractive as well. But the thing with Rosen is you might be getting him for crazy low value because the product he's put on the field has not been good. But, right. And maybe he's not good, but I don't know. I'd be willing to take a, a risk on him. I've liked everything I've seen from him. And the situations he's been, he's been in, they're not bad. They're horrific with that Cardinals team last year and the Dolphins this year. Fitzmagic slings touchdowns for any team he plays, you know? So that's a little bit, a little bit different. So you might be getting him at a very low value, which would be cool. And I just don't feel good about putting – I think Rudolph and Duck will get better, but – not much better. And I think that you could have a Super Bowl opportunity right now and you can be in week 16 next year and Ben could get hurt and if you don't have someone to plug in, then that's just one of the tangible improvements I think that they can make to the offense. Yeah, and if it's me, you know, it uh, because we've been in uh, co- uh, quarterback limbo for so long, the Jets not having one, I'd much rather have my bench quarterback be a guy with a high ceiling to give him the opportunity to see what he's got mm-hmm. as opposed to a guy who's... That low ceiling guy, like the your current backups, you'd say, right? Yeah, and unexciting for the rest of the guys on the team. Right, and let's say Ben goes down next year, and you're in the, in, uh, the fight for the AFC North, right? Your defense is good enough where you can bring in a high ceiling, low floor guy, and just tell him not to do that much. We're gonna have our yeah. defense win the game. We're gonna have you throw 15 passes today to 20. Um, so I I would go for it. I would do it. I think I it's exciting. I'd be drooling at it, and mm-hmm. I think. Um, I, I, based on how quickly the Dolphins pulled him, I, I would, I would think and that maybe there's another guy. We're on the spot right now, but yeah. like, there, I'm sure there's another guy out there. It's like, what if, what if they like cut Flacco? For, I know nobody wants to hear that. Everyone hates on Flacco, but he's better than. Well, I don't know at this point. Flacco sucks. We own him. But well, so Rose he should th- come play for free. Don't we you think they're going to stockpile? He's actually getting cheaper. He's a six million dollar dead cap hit this year. Next year he's down to five million dollars. That seems. Pretty reasonably affordable if they get rid of his, if the Dolphins get rid of his contract. Mm-hmm. I just think like are the Steelers going to be able to get him. Yeah, I don't know. We and have our own cap hit problem. We right do, now. and he's such a specific target. But he, he would be my number one choice if they were get able Landry. to do that. You're right. Well, but the XFL we tried. The XFL blocked it, ah. so maybe he'll be free next year. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just think um, maybe. Sorry, everybody, for the for the Flacco reference. Yeah, did, did well, he might be how, tough. Does he have, he's going to probably go for a decent amount of money because he's that tweener where he could... Yeah. Some team's going to look at him and see a potential starter. Yeah. Uh, Bottom line is there's guys out there. Like, Foles has a huge contract from the Jaguars, so you're obviously not going to trade for him. Right. But what if for some reason he gets... Cu- I don't know. There's There are people out there who are better than Duck and better than Rudolph at this point. And uh, I... I guess in the things that I think you can fix for next year, backup quarterback is one of them. I think running back is definitely one of them because you can't rely on Connor, and it would be great to have a guy who you could, you know, give the damn ball to 25 times a game if you have to play conservatively, or a guy who's going to break a big run. We don't – well, we have him. He's Kareth White, but we'll see what he does next year. Yeah, or maybe a game-breaking wide receiver, although I feel good about the receivers. And if somehow you can re-sign Vanette and you have Vance – Vance, obviously, is another big issue with all his injuries. But then those tight ends are pretty good. You can draft a guy in a later round behind them. But either way, oh, there he is. There's Landry Jones on the big screen. He looks like a gopher. <laughs> well, he... I'll slack you off, you fuzzy little foreigner. Well, think if I talk about the golfers. Anyways. He's still, golfers. he's still with them. All right, well, that is, that is our potential future, gentlemen. 
I want to thank you. This was a uh, pretty depressing day for me. I know expectations were low for all around, but it doesn't make it any easier because now we have to hope, well, maybe you don't, but Tennessee has to beat Houston next week and we have to beat Baltimore. More Steelers games is, is good for everybody. It would be good to stretch it out Wait, there. Wait, so if Tennessee wins, you can still do it by beating Baltimore? No, I think we cannot. They, I think they have to lose. Well, that game's probably over. Let's, let's check on it right now. And everyone, as everyone waits, knowing what is happening. But we need to know, people. The Raiders, we were saying earlier, shockingly have a decent, well, depending on how the Titans game went. How weird is that, right, yeah. that the Raiders are still in so contention? Bad. Well, I guess that's all we have. The Titans lost, as you guys might have known already. But we're still in it, baby. I guess RG3 will be in next week, huh? Let's he's, hope. He's still pretty good. <laughs> I think they yeah. still beat us with that. But, hey, it'd be nice to ding the Ravens a little bit while you can. So we were tweeting up a storm during the game. So join us on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. And have a very Merry Christmas. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.